I'm standing in my garage with the door open during the beginning of a snowstorm. It's Saturday night, and this is a cross-posted episode from another show that uh, I had the privilege of being on, and I mean that, uh, because the two hosts of this show have both been guests on the Wolfpack podcast, uh, and they're both people that I really, really love, have a lot of history with, and really, really care about. And uh, somehow they cross paths and uh, are really close friends and co-workers and co-podcast hosts. And uh, the show is called Songs We Didn't Write. And uh, this is really a great song for, or I'm sorry, a great podcast for music lovers, uh, especially if you love the type of music that I love. Um, And so what they do is they take one song, uh, per episode and they just break it down they talk about some nerd level details some of their favorite parts some life application what the song means to them and so this episode is me my brother-in-law brandon wilson and uh, my friend mike carlson um talking about the page of the lion song black canyon and i won't belabor points that we make in the show but it's an incredible song so i encourage you to go listen to black canyon by page of the lion first and then listen to this episode of the songs we didn't write podcast featuring here on the wolfpack podcast thank you so much for your time i hope you enjoy Dude, what's happening? Uh, hey, hang one second. I'm gonna pull up my notes here. Do you? Do you? Did you push the record button already? <clears throat> Me no. Oh, I pushed the record. But I just want to back up and I want to make sure you heard my joke. I did. Yeah, they're called cans in the biz. Yeah, I noticed you didn't laugh. Is that what... <laughs> 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 I was focused because for some odd reason when I started the meeting, like I, I heard you through the, the actual laptop speaker, although I had the headphone jack plugged in. So I unplugged it, plugged it back in, and now I can hear you just fine. In the cans. No, but he didn't think it was funny, though. That's, 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 <laughs> yeah. that's why he didn't laugh. You can say it a third time. Let me see. Let's try it. Triple down, baby. (laughs) That's what being an overbearing person is all about. (laughs) So do you want me to record right now and then you can... Yeah, I think think we're good, dude. Yeah, because I'm recording here and levels are good. I've actually... uh, I am going to end up recording your audio through here just so it'll help me when I go to line up. I'll be able to read the waves even easier. Okay, I'm recording now. Hey, sweet. That's very cool. What do you, do you have a do you have a moose on your shirt? It's a deer. It's a deer. Oh deer. Ooh. Oh yep. deer. Deer, not a real deer. It's a drawing. Nice sweatshirt, Mike. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> you can't see it, but I have some of my protein shakes spilled on the sweatshirt. <laughs> but um, COVID's really 
help me rethink of how often I launder. So, um, what do you mean? I mean, I just like wear things when they're kind of dirty now more than I used um, to, you know, just cause I'm around home. Um, yeah, dude, I, I, here's my thing. I, I have such a hard time buying expensive. I mean, and they may not be expensive to you guys, but expensive to me clothing. Cause then I walk, I never wear it. It sits in my closet. Like it's a wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And because I don't want to get it dirty. You know what I mean? I go, dude, I spent like forty like forty dollars on a hoodie. Oh sure. Even like oh, yeah. thirty. So I never wear it. And I like I got an, I got this this hoodie, this gray hoodie for Christmas. And I was like, I'm just gonna wear it. I'm gonna go out, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be different. And I wore it and I looked down on my shoulder and there's I'm not kidding. There's two mystery drops of blood on the shoulder. <laughs> And I look around, I go, there's, I'm in a room full of people. I go, who's bleeding? Who's bleeding right now, dude? Because this is a brand new sweatshirt. And Somebody's going to have to pay and, for this. And I look around, and no, I wasn't bleeding. Nobody was bleeding. I was, and I was like, okay, I'm never wearing this again. Dude, I, I feel bad for you. I feel like <clears throat> now that's going to be in your head. Next time you go shop for clothes, you're going to wonder, you know, how long is it going to be till someone bleeds on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, that's why I wear cheap clothes. This was yep. free. That's why it buy from the. Hey, it looks, right it looks great on you. And we Thank partially you. can't relate. We wear like $120 jeans, uh, almost exclusive, particularly when we podcast. Um, <laughs> so you should see my butt right now. Oh, nice. I hate. I remember, and I know this is not the Memory Lane podcast, but I I remember a particular song that Mike you used to sing. That you made up, you'd say, what you got in them pants? What you got in them jeans? Wait, and I quote that wait, to this what? day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, I have to hear this. I haven't, I haven't heard this. Okay. Dude, I, it's your chance, Is it Michael. just a little rap I, that he would, I, I don't, don't know. know. I used to make up like really Sing to people at the mall? <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll, uh, maybe we'll have that on another we'll, show. We'll circle back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, it's good to see you. Good to see you guys. This is awesome. I'm, I am nervous. I'm nervous too, dude. Dude, I I, I should say glad someone said it. <laughs> I have, I, sh- I should thank you while I have you on that, uh, you know, your inspiration is really the only reason that we decided to do this. So, you know, I I, I really appreciate you putting out in the ether as often as you do that people should start their own podcast so that you can, you know, you even even said on one of them that you slowly want to be able to delete all other podcasts from your download list and only listen to, uh, you know, the people that you know and stuff like that. And, and, and when you say that, I know you mean that because you're also a guy too with music. If there's a local band or somebody that you know, you'll want to support it. You'll want to listen to it. You're very much the, the DIY kind of local band guy that <clears throat> we have kindred spirits on that, I think. And so, dude, I, I do appreciate you putting it out in the ether, man. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, even these short few episodes that we've posted. Uh, Michael and I, pretty much every time we see each other, we say the exact same things to each other now. <laughs> like, dude, I'm so happy we did this. So it's, it's nice. been a blast, man. Well, I appreciate the compliment and the kind words. And I'll say enough. I have deleted some people out of my podcast feed because enough people have started them that it's actually working. But... Now in the new year, enough of the right people have started podcasts, you guys included, that I might stop telling people to do it because I don't want the wrong people to do it and then I won't listen to it because they're talking about their dog or whatever. <laughs> well, dude, this was uh, this was special because I, you know, 
your your past and my past playing music and writing music together um, is some of the most fun that I've had. And and when I went on to your podcast, and then as I've even talked in previous episodes on this one, you know, talking about Shaggy versus the Tank Tops and how much fun we had in that. And you you played uh, bass in that. Of, and you also played drums. Actually, when it originated, uh, you, mm-hmm. in its inception, it was just you and me, and you played drums. And, dude, that was some absolute mayhem. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, you know, so we, we, we've got a lot of history, and what came along with that ride is us listening to a lot of the same stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Appleseed Cast, Roadside Monument. I mean, you got a Roadside Monument tattoo, dude. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there are a few bands that we listen to quite a bit, and uh, um, kind of fell in love with together. And Pedro the Lion was on that list. And, and when, I, when I began to think, like David Bazan has meant a lot for me, a lot to me, and I'm not gonna nerd out too much on him because uh, even though it hasn't aired when you and I record this yet, we've already done Curse Your Branches by David Bazan. So it will air uh, prior to this one. So people will have already had a chance to hear me uh, uh, just lay out my man crush on Bazan. Yeah. So you you can kind of maybe lay some of that you know lay some of that work, but but I, I do just want to say that when I've thought about breaking songs down and talking with other people, um, there are bands that I I just I wanna I wanna have them with you because of how much I know they mean to you. And like Roadside Monument is one of those bands that I definitely want to break them down, but I don't want to do it unless you're with us because oh. you know what it means or you, you, you know, I know how much you love them. And so, yeah. you know, so I just, I just want to say, you know, I really appreciate over the years, the friendship we've had, the music you've shown me. Um, I mean, even, t- you know, last week you showed, you told me about music, you know, it, it just happens all the time. And I, I love that man, but I, I'd, I'd love to, I'd, I'd love to have you just kind of kick it off by talking about, you know, why you chose this song. You ended up choosing Black Canyon by Pedro the Lion and, and why this one for your first one? Yeah, well, this song fits into, uh, this is probably a nerd level detail, which we can get into later. If you can tell, I've listened to every single episode of your guys' show. So I know the lingo, <laughs> I know what to expect. Thanks dude. But, um, this, this, okay, so I am a David Bazan freak. I've seen him more times than I can count as David Bazan, as Page of the Lion. I've traveled to watch him in a person's living room before. and sh- I don't do this often, but shamelessly was like, Dave, can I take a picture? And I took a picture with him and posted it immediately because I was like, I just wanted the world to know that I had met my hero. He has surpassed Neil Young. He's surpassed John Prine. All these people that I love, he's just my favorite songwriter. And so... I, it goes without saying, I know that I mean nothing to him, except for, you know, the fact that his fans mean something to him, but me personally, but he means a lot to me, and I have reason to believe that him writing this song represents something for him that I'm really happy for him about, um, and so the premise of this song is this paramedic, I, I don't know if you want me to go into this, but yeah, I mean, yeah. what's, what's so cool is that it's a folk song and that it tells a story. In a sense, this is like a John Prine song that uh, somebody that could have been on Tooth and Nail wrote, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's about this, it's a folk song that just tells this story. And it's about this paramedic that responds to the scene of a suicide by semi, a guy who jumped out in front of a car, in front of an 18-wheeler. And uh, a different... Paramedics and fire, fire fighters start to come, and then they realize that the person is living. 
and uh, he's actually talking, and they kind of get into um, this, and then this woman, and the song kind of ends with this woman having an emotional breakdown who was a female firefighter. Um, so I wrote this song because, or I'm sorry, I didn't write this song. <laughs> I, I chose this song because um, Dave Bazan, by and large, I would say if you were to put his songs into categories, the majority of them would fit into one, and then there's a few stragglers, and this is one of the rare ones that just isn't um, against something, which is fine. I'm into music that is against things. That's fine. But this seems like a, um, a breath of fresh air for David Bazan. And yeah, he, even, he even, you would not, you no, said? No, I wouldn't disagree at all, no. Yeah, and he even speaks out against things that I speak for, and but he's still my favorite songwriter. You know, he disagrees with things that are really special to me, and that's perfectly fine. But I, I love this song because it's just, hey, let me tell you a story. Yeah, and you, you actually mentioned, so one cool thing about this album um, is that it's his, it's his latest, and it is some of his best work. And for as long as he's been doing it, um, it's really cool that, that <clears throat> there's, there are a lot of bands that you, you might like some of their early stuff or you only like an album here or there or whatever. It, just across time, man, he's, he's gotten better. He continues to stay in his lane, but also provide different levels of like, man, he's, he's, he's just still got it. And so, mm -hmm. uh, but you, you had mentioned after this album came out, you know, we talked about it just kind of like when the new Low Tom album came out, we got a little bit excited and, and, and talked about some of it. And you, you brought up that, uh, in Transcontinental, he also talks about a similar theme. Is that yeah, right? Well, v strikingly similar. Yeah. It's an, it's, he, I don't know any other artist that has two songs about a man trapped underneath a large vehicle. Because <laughs> Transcontinental yeah. is about it a is. man trapped under a train who has, is faced with the decision to sever his limbs, like James Franco in 27 Hours. And this song is about a man trapped underneath an 18-wheeler, but he put himself there. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just strange. He, he's got a thing about that, I guess. No, I, I think it's, uh, uh, it, it's interesting how he parallels them to you know, just, uh, the sadness of the person, you know, I, I, it, it, I, that's part of the thing that I really love about Bazan is how the imagery that he creates, that he's able to just bring up different topics because I would never write a song talking about somebody that, you know, is, is either having suicidal thoughts or they're, they're just, you know, having a bad day, throwing themselves in front of a truck. And so, but yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of a, one of the things about Bazan is he's able to bring up certain topics in just different ways that are kind of cool, man. Well, I, I would ask both you guys a question and this, this reminds me of a few, like three different people standing in front of a painting and pretentiously saying what it means, you know, to them. But I would ask, I think you, a lot of different people could hear a lot of different things from this song. If I just came up to you, showed you, both you guys individually, this song and said, what is this song is about? What is this song about or what is he trying to say? What would you guys say? I want Michael to talk first. That is me. <laughs> That's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, 
I guess when it comes to talking about theme, um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start out by talking about the concept of suicide and how suicide is perceived and responded to by other people, you know? So that's one thing I at least try to do is anytime like I'm looking at a story or a piece of literature, it's nice to just get like the bare bones first. And, the, and I actually interpreted it different than you. Um, I interpreted that he's dead because he's in pieces. It said that he's obviously dead. So I, I interpreted it as the, uh, the voice speaking was actually like, um, like his ghost or these people are kind of being haunted by his spirit on, and what he has to say. So that, that was just me. I, I interpreted it as the man's not alive anymore. But I'm, for all I know, that's the opposite of what he intended. Um, but yeah, so... I, I, it's, a, it's about a lot of things, but for me, one of the largest themes is in the, um, when the individual who threw himself under the truck asked the question, well, when he first says, get this truck off my back, don't know what I expected, but that hurt really bad. When he says, where, my, where were my people at, coiled up like a rattlesnake waiting to attack. So hmm. I, well, I can kind of like, you know, un, unpack that later on, but. I think, by and large, for me, uh, I think the song comments on suicide, how people respond to it, um, and 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 how it impacts them. So, so Michael and I actually work with a guy that used to be an EMT, and the funny thing is, is when I think about being an EMT and going out, if if I had to go you know, onto the scene where some dude was ejected from his motorcycle and the top of his head was just basically scalped off of the pavement and you've got to help the situation. That would just mm-hmm. be really hard, especially if you like go into the scene of an accident and there's like a three-year-old that, that died. Like that, it would be super hard for me to be of help in that moment. But, but yeah. there, there are... Uh, there are multiple EMTs that I've actually known, and one common theme, one, one of the guys actually worked with us in Pizza Hut, Tyler, out in Monroe, and one common theme that I've seen amongst the few EMTs that I know is they're able to, and I think it's a way they cope with the memories, they're able to joke about certain scenes that they've happened upon where somebody either got hurt really badly or died. It's, uh, it's, it's got to be a coping mechanism with how they can kind of make those memories not as tragic in their mind. And when you see it, like anything, if you see it enough, you're going to be less... Um, shocked by it the next one that you go to but what i think is cool in this song is that actually he he shows that he's got to know some people that maybe treat it the same way because when they show up his where he says my uncle ray was a paramedic one of the first boots on the ground then it says ray's pal from another engine came over with the gallows joke hey come on ray we can save him and he's like he the guy the dude just got smashed by an 18 wheeler he's saying it out of jest come on ray we can save him and then so uh, you yeah, I'm sorry. You're saying you're you are entirely right. The gallows joke is, hey, we can save him. Yeah, yeah. Ray, Ray's coming up to his buddy. They're they're buddies. They're on the job. They're EMTs, and he's like, "Come on, Ray, we can go save him. Let's go do it, buddy." And it's totally in jest. And then he goes. Ray's pal went closer to see the broken body. Pretty quickly, he came back queasy, and this was something Ray hadn't seen, right? These guys have gone out. They've been EMTs. They've seen death. They've seen all the stuff. Ray's pal um, from the other engine, he went out, 
And then he comes back and he's acting queasy because he's seen something he's never seen. This dude's legs are gone. And he said, he's saying, Ray, you won't believe what the man said to me. So this man didn't die yet. Got smashed by an 18-wheeler. He's laying there with his limbs. And the EMT's like, dude, so he says, get this truck off my back. And what's unbelievable about this is like my experience with EMTs and them going out. And uh, Dick, I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about it, Mike, but we got a guy named Dick at, at our place of work. He's joked about this kind of stuff all the time. It just totally ingests about things that he happened upon. And then uh, so, so when he talks about in the next phrasing, the female fire engine driver, when she strolled up there, Dude, <clears throat> compartments, okay? I'm just, I'll just get into my favorite moment of the song. Because mm -hmm. when he says compartments came apart then, um, the drums go to a different beat. And it almost, it doesn't change the mood of the song, but there's clearly a difference. Although the guitars, man, there's so much in this song that's just beautiful, dude. And you, you can't open this door for me to talk about what this song means because I kind of have to lay it all out <laughs> because there, there are a lot of brilliant things in this. But uh, um, I, I should backtrack and say, boy, does Bazan do an excellent job of working the anxiety up in you by the siren-esque guitars. So the guitars yeah. that go throughout, I remember the first time I heard the song and I didn't really like read the lyrics or know much about what it was. I was unsettled by the guitars just constantly sirening. It was just, it, but it, it didn't, I wasn't paying attention so much to the lyrics, but there was this level of anxiety. And, and, uh, um, Although on compartments came apart then, the sirens are still going from the guitar, the, the drum beat changes, and when he sings compartments came apart then, it's incredibly emotional, and, and the female firefighter is breaking down because she didn't see just a dead body or a dude laying there with half his body, and uh, uh, she saw a broken-hearted man. This was, mm -hmm. there was a lot of depth in that. And compartments are groupings of muscles and nerves in your arms and your legs. And so when he says compartments came apart then, he's both talking about the lady losing her, you know, just kind of losing it and crying for this brokenhearted man. She was coming apart then, but it parallels this dude whose actual, your compartments, your, your actual compartments in your body had came apart. And so he talks about both of those. And, and to talk about it in the literal sense, the guy's actual compartments came apart. And then in, in the metaphorical sense where hers came apart, they were kind of one in the same in that moment, that sadness, although one was internal and one was external. And that hidden gem is just, it's, it gives me chills even kind of talking about it. That's some of the brilliance yeah. that Bazan can do. I have more, but I'll let you talk because that was kind of long. Yeah. What do you think? No, that, yeah. Uh, that's really interesting because when I, the first I forget when this album came out, uh, but I think my it was first, only like, last year or the year before. It was very yeah, recent. Yeah, so my, my first probably year of listening to this album, as we do when we meet people in real life, I wrote my own narrative for this woman that as I dove into it lately, I realized that I was making a lot of assumptions because for the first year listening to this song, I thought that when she showed up on the scene, she had actual relationship with the man who attempted suicide. She, she recognized in the pieces of Broken Hearted Man. So I took that and I ran with it in my brain. I go, oh, she, that's her ex-husband. That's her ex-boyfriend. Um, she recognized him. But as I've read it this time, 
I, I have taken that to mean that as she looked at the person under the truck, she saw herself. Yeah. Um, she, she saw that where she could have wound up. And just like when you or I or any of us look at a homeless person on the street or, if, uh, to be honest with you, the serial killer or, who, or the worst of the worst, I go, oh, dude, I'm like circumstances or choices away from them. When I look at them, I see me. Um, and I feel like when she looks underneath this truck, she sees herself. Because it says, remembering all of the times that she had nearly given up. She had to be twice as human and just as tough, but she knew that it was never enough, never enough. And then it beautifully segues into, to get this truck off my back. And it it 100% is a parallel of the physical, the literal that just happened. And then the emotional and, and yeah, man, it's, Oh, I love that. It is, you know, the, uh, uh, I want to. I I don't know. I can go into my nerd level detail uh, because I I think we're kind of we've talked so much already in in a short amount of time. I'm actually surprised at how much we kind of got out here. But um, you know, the anxiety. Did you guys feel that in the guitars as well? That there's this unsettling, like that siren s, just constantly, constantly going and going and going. Did you find that unsettling at all? That he's not playing like chords or even a regular guitar line. He's just simply making a siren sound like an EMT because the the song's about. You know what I'm saying? Did you did you get that same vibe? Uh, Yeah. Well, Mike, what about you? No, I wasn't paying attention to that, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to be like, I just answered, like, honestly, no. No, no, that's fine. Yeah. So, it, it, dude. That's your half of the podcast. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't, like, you're the, you're the lyric expert on the show. Dude. So it's, I don't, I don't penalize you for that. Heavy on the expert. <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what I love about Michael's percepti- per- perception, like, when he's listening to music, you know, I, I I don't remember if I said this on a podcast, but I know I said it to him. One thing that's really enjoyable about hearing him talk about it is I, I've talked with a lot of, you know, musicians like yourself, Tyler, that we can nerd out on some of, we can nerd out hard on some of the musical elements. But Michael talks about um, artists in music in different ways than I've heard ever heard any of my musician friends talk about him. So like when he talks mm. about the, the, the lyrics, when he talks about it being a narrator and what the narrator has to say and kind of how he puts it in, I don't know, dude, I, 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 it, it is kind of fun. So I don't, I don't, I'm not mad that you didn't, didn't hear those sirens, but I, to, to let it out, to let the whole thought out here, the unsettling anxiety and, and the mode, the, the minor key that these that the verses are in and how it's progressing and telling the story when it goes into the refrain of get this truck off my back don't know what i expected but that hurt really bad they switch from a major mode or i'm sorry from a minor key mode into a major mode and yeah. what it gives you too is the sirens of the guitar stop and it gives you this sense of relief because in, in the song, the guy obviously didn't have anybody to talk to, didn't have anybody to share his struggles with, didn't let any of it out. And so he's bottling it up inside and there's all this anxiety. But when he can finally get it out and get it off of his chest, there's this massive relief 
the sirens go off and it shifts mm-hmm. from a minor mode to a major mode and the the music gives it that and then after the female firefighter, the sirens come back in in the verses and then she realizes what she's realizing. And then you had, you had said the, the, the line, she gathered herself, crept back to the truck, remembering all the time she'd never given up and so on. Then when it goes back into, to get this truck off my back, it's, it is this massive relief again. It shifts from that minor key to a major or a minor mode to a major mode and the siren stop. And what that release is, is when you can get that weight off your shoulders, when you're bottling something up, when you don't, when you don't express how you're feeling and talk to other people. And then it just, it can just be the, the level of anxiety and what you can bottle up inside. If you can let that go, if you can find people to talk to that can understand you, that you can be real with, that you can be genuine with, man, does it feel like a truck off your back. And that mode mm-hmm. switches and he, he paints that picture beautifully with, with, uh, between the music and the lyrics. And then I, I think, man, I, I was hoping to hear a decent discussion from you guys because the biggest takeaway I have with what this song means parallels so much with recovery. And I've heard both of you guys talk as you've gone through recovery that you have to do it with somebody else. And, and even Michael, the short story that you wrote recently, um, maybe it was an essay, um, uh, that, that all was about at, at a time like this in COVID, if you don't have other people that you can lean on, it can be incredibly yeah. scary. And whether you're an addict or not, being able to have other people. So, dude, the last phrase in this song, when when the sirens are done, when getting the truck off your back is done, of letting, airing it out, what I love about how, what the music does, and I'm still kind of riding my nerd-level detail because the way that he parallels the lyrics with the music in this is, is absolute genius, and you have to pay heavy attention to realize it's all in there, but he's got the anxiety of the sirens. Then he's got the release when you get the truck off the back. Then near the end, it starts to drive a little more and it, and it feels, so he, it, it, the lyrics are tell them your stories. So he's giving advice now to the listener. Bazan is saying, Hey, you can be like this guy and bottle it up and never tell anybody and have these suicidal thoughts and then throw yourself in front of the truck. But what you need to do, here's his advice. Tell them your stories. Get your stories out. If you carry them by yourself, the gorier the details that they have, if you're keeping those details inside and bottle them up, the more you walk alone in hell. And so that last line, he's like, the more you're going to keep that, the more you're walking alone in hell. The music that goes with that, when he's giving you the summation of what he's trying to say in this song, it almost feels like, You've turned away from the whole situation that's at hand, and you just start running towards a, a, a freer, better existence. And the end of the song is not like the verses or the choruses. It's a different mood. It's running away yeah. from your old self and getting, you know what, I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into something different. I'm going to tell my stories because I, 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 I'm living in this hell and I need to get out of it. And to get out of that is, is, is doing it. And I really feel like in recovery, you know, with, with what you guys have talked about, that is, that is a key thing with it. Yeah, well, I think as far as your nerd level detail it, and, and your observation of that repeated guitar part being a siren, I never picked that up. And that is a very good observation. First of all, I think that that guitar part is, 
you guys, have you guys both seen the movie School of Rock? Yeah, it's been a while. Okay, but yeah. so, well, there's the scene where he's teaching children who aren't good musicians yet, or they're good musicians teaching them how to play rock, and a few of them, they're like, he's just, just play that one note, just play it over and over again. <laughs> and he's like, I'll take it from there. Yeah. I'll make this awesome. <laughs> and I picture Bazan in like their writing room being like, hey, bro, I just want you to play this, these dissonant three notes, and I'll take it from there. And <laughs> the truth is, is I think that what that, I mean, we are being such dorks right now about a, a guitar line, but I think that what that guitar line uh, is, is the perfect representation of Brandon and Mike put together. And here's what I mean. That dissonant guitar, I truly believe is a character in the story of this album. Because it shows up on track two, Yellow Bike. Track, I think, four, Powerful Taboo. Shows up on Model Homes. Shows up again on Black Canyon. And the dissonant guitar, I think, to me, represents the tension in the character's story that shows up, of course, in Ray, in the female firefighter, in the man under the truck, and then in Bazan himself. This being probably his only concept album. This is an album about his hometown. Yeah. You know? And uh, I really do think that this guitar line is not only part of the uh, narrative, but it's also a part of the music. Which, um, dude, if, if, any, if Dave Bazan does anything well, it's build tension, and that's exactly what this guitar line does. Dude, I, I like that, man. I like that a lot. By the way, don't You're, you guys think that this song could be an SNL skit? I do, yeah. <laughs> From like I the seventies, like it would have yeah, to be man. Steve Martin. It would oh have to be gosh, Steve Martin hosting, Steve and he Martin. and he's like under a truck. He's like, "Get this truck off my back! I'm a wild and crazy guy." <laughs> I, I I've been I just read his book, so he's in my head. But I feel like this could be a SNL skit. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't think of it, but when you say it, you're absolutely right. Oh my gosh! Do you, uh, do you have before I say anything? Do you have anything else off the top that you were um, that came to mind about the lyrics of the song? Because you opened by asking us, like, "What do you think the song's about?" And are there some you know key parts um, that that you find like representative of things, or, or where are you at with with that? Um. No, not without getting into my favorite lyric and life application. I, I would probably have some sh stuff to share, but I, I'll say the, to touch on what I touched on before, David Bazan, being I'm a total nerd fan, and he said in an interview one time, he said, um, sometimes I wish I didn't have to write songs about religion. I wish I could just write songs like I'm in the band Spoon. Who, write, who will write a song about like their breakfast? You know what I mean? And he goes, I wish I could, but he goes, it's just a part of me. And he, though he speaks out against things, he's actually, he speaks out of, he speaks against things out of love for those things. And he's very clear on that. And that's why he's so widely accepted from people that he disagrees with. It's because he does it, he I believe he truly does it out of love. But I think that this song is him getting to play pretend. Brandon, you and I have talked about that before. Dude, it's, He's pretending to be in the band Spoon yeah. for a moment. He goes, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is about enough. This is about a lot of things. Have we, as we've discussed Yeah. and it's up for interpretation, but in a sense, it's also just a story. And I love um, that I get to get in my, my vehicle and be like, Hey Dave, tell me a story. 
and then go for a drive. Like I'm sitting, like I'm asking my grandpa to tell me a story or something. Dude, I, I love that you brought that up because uh, we did, the last session we did, we, we recorded a few of these and we did Curse Your Branches by David Bazan, which by the time this airs, Curse Your Branches will be out. Um, and, and I actually mention what you just said. I didn't say it the way, the, the way you said it, but I, you referenced, I love that you referenced that because I referenced it in the first one with basically the way I put it is he just kind of unapologetically was like, I, I just, I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to talk about religion. Yeah. I'm going to talk about what it is because it's what comes out of me. And it's one of my favorite things about Bazan because in no way do I feel, while there are certain things that he might say that are um, a little bit, uh, maybe in certain snapshot moments, he's a bit harsh, but he is fair most of the time with what yeah. he's saying. And he's, he's more, he's more into the questioning than he is the statements of, well, that was my past life and it's all wrong. And I don't believe any of it. That's not his stance. And the way that he can paint it beautifully, uh, um, or the way, you know, it just, it just comes from him. And so I love though, that you did bring this song to the table. It, it is, uh, I don't think that, um, Bazan doing this song is necessarily a breath of fresh air from his other stuff because I love his other stuff so much, but I love that it can be that diverse. Um, but it's it, cool it, that you it, brought it, up that reference, man. It does feel wrong to call it a breath of fresh air because then that craps on his other songs. Yeah. And I, I just didn't know another way to put it, but I think another songwriter in the circle of Bazan, Derek Webb, I heard him say in person when I sat in a living room, well, I paid to be in a living room with him, uh, he he said, I believe that David Bazan operates within the Christian tradition better, like the true meaning of the Christian tradition than many Christians, because he has a grip on the fact that the way he would say it, he, I'm not even, he would say, I'm not even sure God is real, but if he is, he's not going to collapse underneath the weight of my doubt and my questions, which no, people yeah. are scared to say that. And I go, dude, that's, that's very true. Bring Every doubt you have, bring every question you have, because uh, if he's real, he's not going to crumble underneath it. Yeah, that's another. And, th that's another thing about even like Jeremy Enoch. You know, Jeremy Enoch is is a known Christian in in the industry. People people knew. It's funny actually because him being kind of coined as the godfather of emo music, they say a stain on his legacy in the emo community was that he was a self-proclaimed Christian. And I love that. I love that people <laughs> say that that's a stain, um, you know, so, but, but what was cool is in reading some, some interviews, even with Jeremy Enoch and him saying, you know, I didn't really want to write uh, uh, Christian music um, because some of that that I saw around me when I would go to church and, and, and go with them is I felt like a lot of them were doing it to impress other Christians. And he said, I want to immerse myself in the doubt, and I want to be able to put that out there to be able to... Because to, I, I think for him, it would strengthen his position on it. And so having, some of the, having these artists like Enoch and Webb and Bazan and, and how they can put that out, I think that there's um, I th the honesty that comes from that and not them being vindictive. Man, what a cool group of artists to have somebody else fall in love with, man. I, I, love, that, I love that you love them. Yeah, well, I think their music as the, all those guys are outsiders in the organized church. And I think that it's extremely important that insiders of the organized church 
myself being one of them, uh, listen in to those guys. Because a lot of times people will choose not to express doubt ex- uh, exclusively because out of fear. And go, hey, let me show you how liberating it is to, to uh, not only express any doubt you have about God or even about the church. That's perfectly fine. Listen to these guys do it because they talk with a certain freedom that a lot of people feel like they can't have inside of the church. And I think a lot of those people, once they begin to express that, they will actually realize they, there wasn't any negative consequences of it, that a lot of that was just assumed. So that'd be a lot for me to tackle to talk about uh, what you guys were talking about. So I'm just going to focus in on one of these lyrics because just, just for time permitting, because um, I have plenty to say about all that. But when you it really comes to... haven't said much, so I, where you take the stage, baby. You got the next 15 minutes, Michael. <laughs> Damn right. No, uh, <laughs> no, that's, uh, you know, I, I just enjoy hearing both of you talk, and it's such a, I mean, it's, it's one of the most, you know, prevalent artists in your libraries and on your mind, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to just sit here and, and listen. The one of the lyrics I, I wanted to mention about the song that I think is you know a, a, a set piece with the song, and and I appreciate what you said about the whole me saying narrate. I just took that a teacher, you know, uh, that's not my idea by any means. When you're um, analyzing poetry, it's important to use the word narrator so that you give the artist the freedom to allow the characters to speak for themselves. And so, hmm. you know, because if you're saying like Dave is saying this or Dave is saying that, he, it's, 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 it's good to allow him to have the freedom for his characters to speak about things that he either doesn't wholly endorse or he, he does wholly endorse. And, and so it's, um, that, that's the only reason I use that. But when it comes hmm. to, I think one of the set pieces of this is in the line when, when the man says, and, and like I said, I'd be interested, you know, what the you know, author's intention was, I took it as someone, um, because it, it, you know, it says in the beginning, um, he saw the man beneath the truck in several pieces, obviously gone. So I didn't think that was like, oh, he's obviously gone, but now all of a sudden he's back. I, I really took that as, okay, this is his spirit and his soul speaking about, you know, if he had a voice to speak, this is what he would say. Um, Hmm. that's what I took that as, but when it, when it says, you know, get this truck off my back, don't know what I expected, but that hurt really bad, you know, and it's, it's such a, like, sorrowful, you know, an endearing line. When it goes to where were my people at, coiled up like a rattlesnake waiting to attack. So I don't think that that's this obvious, you know, sentiment of, oh, like, I tried to, you know, confess, like, my suicidal ideations to friends, and they're like, screw you, or, you know, made fun of you, or whatever. I don't think it's obvious at all. I think using rattlesnakes, because rattlesnakes, if I'm not mistaken, when they feel threatened, right, or territorial, their, their rattler will go, okay? So they're already in a posture of defense. And I think um, the narrator is asking the listener, what part do we play in this individual's demise, you know? And I'm not, I'm not insinuating that mm. we're ever, you know, responsible for someone else's suicide, but what I am saying is I think this is symptomatic of um, a cultural condition of being so threatened and defensive and like postured 
against um, connection with others, you know, and hmm. um, and in very subtle ways, you know, I don't think that in like grandiose ways, but I, I tried to apply it to myself and it's like, you know, um, how often do I allow my own life and chaos to kind of overwhelm me to where I'm not giving one of my sisters or my wife or coworkers um, some of the, you know, love and concern that they deserve, you know, um, how much am I posturing, you know? Um, hmm. so, so that's just what I like, that's what I took from that. And I thought that was, you know, I thought that was a pretty profound line because essentially the gallows joke, the narrator is using two characters and showing a very different reaction from either of them. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, one's wrong and one's right, but they are two very different reactions. And like you said, Tyler, um, when the, the female driver, you know, she had to be twice as human and just as tough. She knew it was never enough, never enough. You know, um, if you know anyone who's committed suicide or attempted suicide, you're well aware that it's not a moral deficiency, right? And that sounds mm -hmm. really plain on the surface. Like, oh, of course, you know, at least in 2020, we've, we've come that far. But really, if we really dig into that and accept, like, if it's not a moral deficiency, right, there's a greater sadness in that. Because then, then there's more of a sickness and illness to it, right? So it's not as simple to package up and say, oh, well, they just didn't do good enough, so they off themselves and, you know, whatever. Um, it's really sad, you know? And, and I, like, when I was at the church, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, call myself a Christian anymore. Um, I'm not a Christian anymore, but I, 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 I pray to God, um, who I don't use the you know male pronoun with, but I, I say God. And when I was in the church, one thing that was unsettling is having to quantify God's role in things, you know, and how much it really um, waters down the sadness in things. You know what I mean? And it's like something happens, and it. Um, I'll just say this and, and be very quick. I had a really hard time one time when my sister's best friend died of cancer when he was 21. And one thing I, I struggled with, and I didn't think this was anyone's fault. I think this came from good intention. People want to know, my, one of my mentors, uh, he's uh, in Florida. He, he, makes, he makes fun of people sometimes, you know, psychologically with the concept of heaven, because he says, everyone wants to think that granny's up in the clouds having a great time, you know? And uh, I just think it's funny how he says that. Um, he's actually a pretty spiritual person. But I remembered hearing someone whose uh, child survived cancer and they said, you know, something along the lines of like, by the grace of God, you know. And I thought that was, and I didn't think they intended it, but I thought that was quite the perversion of what God's grace even is. Not only that, it really, it really made me, like it just leveled me, you know. It made me wonder like, dude, do I even understand like what grace is? <laughs> you know, how much mm -hmm. am I trying to assign things? So anyways, without getting off on a spiritual tangent, I think face value, it is so sad when someone is hurting so bad that they want to take their life. Mm -hmm. And so I think a great response that we can have to that is what can we do, if anything? And so I think that, that figure of the rattlesnake kind of challenges us to examine our posture during the day. Dude, I love that. Um, cause I agree. I think people, 
when they encounter suffering, they say the worst things when they get around people. And I actually think it's a defense mechanism. I think when someone says something stupid, like what the, the, the person you just shared about, like just saying you're, not, you're trying to be helpful, but you're actually being hurtful. And not only that, you're not actually trying to help me, you're trying to help yourself by avoiding the pain of this situation, when the better thing to do would be to suffer with me. You know what I mean? Look at, look at my pain, realize the humanity of it, join me in it. Um, that's, that's a far greater deal, but I actually think that that is a really brilliant observation um, of this song because as he comes up with this, this gallows joke, um, which I thought the joke was unspoken, that's another great observation that you guys had about, about the lyrics that the next, come on, we can save him, is the joke. Um, I think it's, I, I take that as an observation of how desensitized we get in there's a responsibility as human beings to realize where we're desensitized and maybe sensitize ourselves a little bit. Um, I watched a movie called The Devil's Rejects, I don't know, like two years ago, and I loved that movie 10 years ago, and I was like, oh, I bet I'll love it now, and I watched it, and I was like, this is awful. I feel like I need a shower, dude. <laughs> I was like, I used to watch this to fall asleep. Mike, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? I do, yeah. We watched it together. We watched the movie together a lot. And, and I realized, like, oh, dude, I, w- I was so desensitized to, to uh, man, maybe evil is a strong word, but how much, though I had to face the negative emotion, it didn't feel as pleasant to not be desensitized. I, I was more cognizant of, in this situation, what I was letting into my heart, what I was letting into my mind. Um, but in terms of suffering, Mike, like what you're observing, um, it pays to be willing to suffer with others rather than try to fix them or save ourselves of the pain. Does that make sense? Yeah, com- yeah. completely. And I, you know, it, I, I suppose it goes without saying, but you know, I love you. You're obviously a pastor at a church. There's no way that I would even try to unpack like spiritual differences or conversations during uh, a podcast. And those are things that I look forward to because I love Christian, non-Christian conversation. I think it's uh, incredibly important, specifically considering how prevalent Christianity is in our culture, you know. Um, but the only reason I included that was just to make that remark about the the allowance of suffering, just like you said, um, but I, I do think that it is such a gorgeous line, um, when he says, you know, where were my people at? I think that's so unifying. Cause I, I interpreted mm-hmm. that as we're all this character's people, right? Like, where were we, you know? And I just thought that was really beautiful. I, I thought that it was, you know, maybe, maybe some people or maybe the author, um, you know, interprets that as, you know, uh, frustration towards a group of people. I'm not sure. But the way I took that as, you know, when we lose someone to suicide, we all lose a brother or sister, you know, or a person, a yes. sibling. Um, and, yes. and that really gripped me, you know. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate that, man. And I, yeah, and I won't, I won't talk you guys here off about all that. But I, yeah, I appreciate uh, your, your perspective and as a as a minister, as a person who's just given my my life over to that that or myself over to that life, dude, the day I stop having regular communication with not only people that don't believe, people that completely disagree with me, people that think I'm stupid for believing what I believe, people that doubt what I believe, 
Dude, when I don't have those people in my life, I think I have a bigger problem on my hands than I than I do if I'm than I'm around that. So I and I appreciate your perspective a lot. I'm thankful for it. Yeah, e- equally, man, equally. So I, I guess we should, uh, dude. Let's let's get into it though. I know I know you had mentioned Tyler that you uh, you you said you had some details getting into your favorite lyric and and kind of life application and all that. Do you do you want to get into those? Sure, I'll I'll pair my favorite lyric with my life application. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. My best moment of this song has been debunked by Michael. <laughs> Which, I mean, of course, there's... Hey, no, no, no. That's just huh? my interpretation, man. I, I would go with what you... T- Sorry. <laughs> what, don't... Do you mean, what, what do you mean by no, debunked? Don't... I, I don't get it yet. <laughs> well, I, no, I totally believe in the interpretation thing. So I'm joking. But literally, best moment in the song, colon, he's alive, exclamation oh. point. <laughs> The moment where he go, oh, he's actually alive. He's just in pieces, and he's gonna be fine. But just like in a wheelchair, it's gonna be okay. Oh, that's great. I, that was. I was like, oh, sweet, it's good. But uh, that might not be true. <laughs> um, okay, so my favorite lyric in life application. My favorite lyric is "compartments came apart then," um, which when he yells that. Uh, maybe that's my new f- best moment in the song because it's so good when he goes. He, I'm not going to mouth drum it right now, but he goes up on it and he hits yeah, the dude. rack tom twice. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Woo! Oh, baby. so good. And here, and that's why I t- here's why I tie that with um, the life application because nobody is a better compartmentalizer than me. Okay, like people think I'm not competitive. I'm extremely competitive, but I'm even more compartmentalizing, and I stuff deep down the pain of losing to the point that it doesn't even seem like I care about losing. And I like to say that I take all my emotions from different situations, and it's like I have a water balloon in my heart that's filling fuller and fuller and fuller of water, and eventually, like, goodwill hunting's going to be on. And there's gonna, that needle's going to poke that balloon, and compartments come apart for me. Um, and uh, does that make sense, the analogy? That's like, it beautiful. just fills and it, Absolutely. it bursts. It bursts eventually. Um, and here's, here's my life application. You have to let your compartments out or life will let them out for you. You're going to stumble upon something. And the truth is, is that what's inside of you comes out of you. And so you can look at someone and say, you made me so mad. When the truth is, is they said something to you that caused the anger that was resting in your heart to come out. And so I would say that Aaron Weiss of Me Without You also wrote the theme of this song when he said, a glass can only spill what it contains. Um, and so you have to keep an eye. Okay, let me put it, make it personal. I have to keep an eye on where I'm compartmentalizing because something's going to bust those compartments open and I'm responsible for how I hurt others um, by the bursting of my compartments or my balloon, as I said. Love that. Brandon. Dude, I ain't, I ain't gonna I follow have, that. I you have I have written right on my sheet of paper favorite lyric. Compartments came apart then. Okay, <laughs> nice. Um, and the reason that's the re- third that the, the reason I love it, man. I love you guys. Uh, the reason, dude. I I just I I just wanna I I want people. Maybe there's a bit of me that's like. I love Bazan so much that I kind of feel like if people knew it, they'd be like, "Dude, you're crazy." But this this moment makes me like justify. I just want to tell the world like this is what I mean, 
Because for him to have a song, and I said this earlier, but I got to say it again because I think it is so brilliant. And Tyler, you talking about your compartments and, and what you said, I, I, something to the effect of, if you don't let your compartments out, life will let them out for you. Is that fair? Yeah. Dude, f- I'm telling you, if you look up the definition of compartments... They are groupings of muscles and nerves and blood vessels in your arms and your legs specifically. And so Hmm. for this dude to throw himself in front of an 18-wheeler and have his compartments come apart and then it also have the female firefighter and she internalizes the despair this man was in and then her compartments come apart internally, dude, how he does that. I mean, I'm getting chills just talking about it now. It is so brilliant how he can put these things together lyrically. And we all, we all can take metaphors of like, okay, here's the literal that happened. I got hit by a truck. And then you can feel like you got hit by a truck and you've got whatever. But he, he just puts it in. I mean, it's, it, it's, just, it's just amazing. So it can't not be compartments came apart then because it's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolute brilliance. And the way the drums shift but the rest of the music is kind of similar, yet it feels like it changes the mood, the, the you know the mood a little bit. It's just, dude, it's it's all around just just unbelievable. And and I gotta I gotta say, uh, um, the end. I I, I really kind of already said my life application, but you know his last line. Um, I'm telling you, man, those are great. Tell them your stories. Let, let your stories out. Find somebody to be genuine with. Genuine with. Find people to talk to and, you know, nerd out with them. And if, if they don't listen, find somebody else and just seek for somebody that's like-minded. Find them. Call me if you need to. Okay? I will mm-hmm. listen. But for him to say that, because the longer you carry those, the more you walk alone in hell. And, and the more you, you're just, you're, you're going you're gonna to continue to be in despair, continue to, to have, uh, you know, life will burst that bubble for you, the way that Tyler put, man. And uh, that, that life application, he, he spells it right out for you, man. It's right in the song what the life application should be. I love it. Dude, I am feeling some energy for reals. <laughs> I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling some serious love for the both of you. Um <laughs> For all of you who don't know, the Aurora Borealis, I was just reading about it last night. Are you familiar with the Northern Lights, the concept? Yeah. And Listen, dude, you say Aurora Borealis to me, I go, think it's something about stars, but I know it's a Horse the Band album. Oh. <laughs> okay, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't... Oh, that I know. I love the reference. Oh my gosh, dude, that was amazing. Um... Who, Michael, you've seen live. Yeah. Is it really an album of theirs? Because I did not know that. It is. Yeah, we lived together. You came home and told me all about it, about the show. Okay. No, I know I saw the show. I didn't know they have an album, Aurora Borealis. I'm almost positive, but I'm so Doesn't sorry. Matter. I'm no, looking no it up while you guys duke it out. Um, but yeah, please continue about, about the This is completely off topic and doesn't even matter, but it's, it, it is one of the most gorgeous natural occurrences that you'll see in like our Earth sky, and it happens because of charged particles, and if you just read about it, um, hmm. talk about the presence of a divine power. Um, it's kind of freaky. Anyways, uh, charged particles, my favorite lyric and, uh, life application. 
the compartments came apart then. So I won't say anything more on the matter because both of you have already said it and it's just brilliant line. My life application, I don't think the sentiments of this song are confined to those um, who may be suicidal. I, I, think, I, think, I think this song also allows us to meditate on our relationship with people in general, you know? Um, and so I think, and, and, it, and it can be, it doesn't have to be this super serious connection, you know? I think it can have humor, it can have jest, it can have whatever it, it, it may be. But, you know, personally, you know, there's this concept in recovery that, you know, to not be, you know, I, I go to um, Narcotics Anonymous and there's this phrase of being an NA thief and it's coming in and, and allowing yourself to be restored and filled up and then not giving back, right? And it doesn't really work like that. I've never seen anyone pull that off, right? The only time that I see anyone, um, you know, make you know, true spiritual progress is when they abide by the saying, you know, we can only keep what we have by giving it away. And I think that is just so applicable outside of recovery. And my point is, is I feel like we have a responsibility to try, right? Don't feel like it's our responsibility, ultimately, um, the decisions that a lot of people make. But there's this principle sometimes in recovery where I'll hear people kind of say out of frustration, well, that's, that's their stuff, you know. That's their stuff. They, and I'm like, okay, I get that. But have we been calling this individual? Have we been giving them the opportunity? You know? And if we have and, and they don't want our help and they want to go about their business, you're very right. That is on them. But mm -hmm. have we done the best we can to love that person? So that's just kind of my application is to not get you know, obsessive, you know, compulsive over every single interaction we have at the gas station or the grocery store, you know, not putting the weight of the world on your shoulders and be like, I need to say this to Susie or she's going to go jump in front of a semi. I, I don't think yeah. that um, that's necessarily the case, but I do think that it, um, you know, it benefits us as a community if we just take an inventory of that, how we interact with others. Do I hear you saying just in encouraging a, a sense of responsibility to your fellow man? I, I, yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's what, I, um, what I meditated on with this, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah. Dude. Well, T Tyler, this was super enjoyable, dude. We're, Brennan. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, we just had a Zoom lag. But can oh. I... Can I um, yeah. I, okay. So I got these two thoughts rolling my head and they're totally opposite. One's about what Mike just said, but Mike, do you think that people feel a sense of guilt when they hear something like that? And how do you think it works out when they take a step toward what you're describing? Um, but they do it out of guilt. Wow. That's a great question. I think if people are feeling guilty, there's a, there's almost a sadness in that because there's this kind of assumption of responsibility that they really don't have. You know, if you feel guilty, uh, I often feel like that saying like, I need to be better, you know, or I need to do better. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, just be you, but move closer to someone. You know what I mean? Like sure. you don't, yep. you know, you know what I mean? You don't need to, uh, morally substantiate yourself and, and, and then go, you know, so I, I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, cause that, no, I think it does. Cause that guilt can be so debilitating. I, you're very right. 
um, I often will feel that guilt and it will keep me from doing things. Nice. Well, awesome observation, dude. And I just want to say, Brandon, my, well, it's both you guys. My favorite musical element is, dude, Brandon, have you guys noticed the way his guitar pick clicks on the strings on from the C to the G as a transition to the E minor when he, right before he says, don't know what I expected? Only the first time that he plays that chorus. I didn't notice that, no. Dude, it's like there's like a section of the internet. It's like ACMR freaks that like want to hear like the saliva in your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I do. They like want to hear you chew on chips or something. I get that about the guitar pick hitting the strings. It's like C, E minor. Yeah. And it's like the best, dude. And it's right before he says, don't know what I expected, when he sings that without drums. So that's my favorite musical element of the song. Dude. And I'm obsessed you know, with it. Here's, uh, I, I got to say something real yeah. quick. I, I, I kind of feel bad for Brandon. Like, I feel like I'm like a friend that is taking Brandon to like this place. And he's talking to someone <laughs> who just can relate with him so much. But then he's got to get back in the car with me for like a two-hour drive back home. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> uh, I cannot supply him this kind of understanding, which is great, man. It's, I, dude, it's I, nice to have you on for this, that, that reason, too. These, these, are, these are the... I appreciate it. You guys are a good pair, though. Not Thanks. Dude, I appreciate it. Dude, here's what I... Here's... Man... I love this kind of stuff. This is the this is the problem with you bringing this up right now. Is I have to talk about this because <laughs> what's funny is uh, I I could be wrong, but I do know when I've seen them playing live. So I saw Pedro the Lion go on tour to play the Control album in its entirety. I believe you were with. I me, stood Tom. right next you to you. Yep. You there, you were there. Brian Bartz was there. There are a few of us. Beautiful show. At that show, he played a Reverend guitar, and we've talked about this. It ended up being why I won. I bought the same kind of guitar he bought because he was playing a Reverend guitar through an orange amp, and it sounded so awesome. But here's the deal. When, when they play live and he plays bass, their guitarist plays a Telecaster, and that's the kind of guitar you, you actually own, Tyler. And I bought my very first Telecaster. There it is. Mm. Have you named it? Can you imagine if I just dropped it? <laughs> I started crying. What's its name? Uh, no, I haven't. Good. Uh, I haven't. David Bazan. <laughs> I haven't named any of my guitars, and I I was going to draw the line there. If you actually had a name for the guitar, I was, is, this was over. Ye no, decades of friendship over. No. Um, <laughs> I finally bought my first Telecaster that I've ever owned. I bought I bought one, and I, I put it together. I, I put in oh, the cool. Fender American Vintage pickups, and... But what I noticed about that, and it took me owning the guitar, is I know what you're talking about. I'd have to listen. I, I did not catch that on this song, but I definitely know what it's like when you hear the pick go across the strings. But I do think when I played the Telecaster that I have, I could hear that better with that guitar being single coil pickups and just the nature of those pickups. I could definitely hear the pick running across the strings much more than most of the other guitars I have. Actually, all of the guitars I have have humbuckers, except I have one with P90s. Um, 
I have an Epiphone with P90 dog ear pickups, and those are, those are single coil, but they're higher gain, and they're not like the single coils that are in the Telecaster. And I, you, it's fun to just strum a chord on the bridge pickup with your pick just lightly, and you can hear that kind of going. So I wouldn't doubt that on that album, it was a Telecaster guitar that they were using, most likely. I mean, the guitarist, that's what they play, that's what he plays live. Unless yeah. Bazan recorded with, with a different one, you can have all kinds of different studio instruments. But I wouldn't doubt that that's kind of indicative of just the Telecaster and part of its tone. And, and many other single coils, like a Stratocaster or others, but you're going to hear that more than the humbucker dude. So that's, that's a cool yeah, detail he did, you picked up. Yeah, the guy that toured this album did play on the record. Yeah. So it's not, it, it's not Dave. So I think that would be a really good observation. It's probably his telly, it is, man. I believe it is. It's that, do do yeah. the tellies and those single coils. You can hear that pick go across the strings, dude. I am not surprised you picked that up. I, I didn't, but that's definitely indicative of that kind of guitar, dude. Well, I know you guys probably want to wrap this up. So a couple I things don't. really, really quick. Do you guys, are you guys, a, are you as bothered as me by a lead singer playing bass? I love <laughs> David Bazan. Like I would get an apartment with him if he asked, but. I hate watching anybody sing and play bass. Dude, you know, you know what I think of when, I, when, I, when somebody says, oh, the singer plays bass, I think of punk music, dude. Because you got, you got uh, MXPX, NoFX, uh, Value Pack. Rush. Uh, Rush. <laughs> Rush. Yeah, they weren't punk, but I hear you. Burns Out Bright. Yep, Burns Out Bright. They're very kind of... But dude, you, I, it's funny. No, I'm not as... Uh, it is... I'm more turned off that Bazan plays bass instead of guitar than I would be that the lead singer of a band is, I guess. Is that because he played guitar over your childhood? It's because nobody's as great as him. <laughs> I remember, kidding, I heard him say at a show one time, I think he might, it might have been at the Control Tour, he said, I've been playing guitar a long time, so I'm reaching my 10,000 hours, referencing Malcolm Gladwell saying, and that was his way of saying, yeah. I'm an expert at the guitar. He is. He, he is um, he's, an, he's an expert at, at finding different ways to play what he calls cowboy chords, the basics. Yeah. Because he, he yeah. is in no way a flashy, crazy, great guitarist or soloist or anything like that. But I got to tell you, dude, if there's somebody that can string two notes together uh, uh, across a song and find different ways to play them, oh, man, dude, he's brilliant at it. Dude, I went. I did a urine treatment eleven years ago, and I the treatment I went to was an evangelical Christian treatment center. Super grateful for it. I still love the whole the whole ministry that they have. However, it was twelve months of like no one that listens to this is going to know it. It was like contemporary Christian music. It was just Christian radio. It was the worst, dude. I almost left treatment. The music was so bad. But there was this one. I was lived in downtown Minneapolis at this treatment center. And there was this one local radio station. I would sneak it in the morning. And I had been in treatment for six months. And they said, and after this commercial break, David Bazan. And he was in studio. And he played no Bless way. This Mess. And I heard that in a year of CCM, Contemporary Christian Music, I heard Bless This Mess on the radio. Oh, man. It was a moment, dude. It was, I'll never, ever forget that. Now, can I compliment your, you, Brandon, but the compliment wrapped up in a diss? I was going to say, don't get too crazy now. <laughs> like, anytime. You know. We're family. Okay. Dude, I'm so glad <laughs> that you have a podcast because your over-explaining tendencies have found their perfect home. 
I love it. You know, they you know, actually that was a really fit far. here. <laughs> <laughs> I love this show, dude. I I thought these were going to release on Mondays. Every Sunday night, I start it, and if I if I end up not being able to finish it, it's the first thing I listen to on Mondays. You guys are an awesome team. Like you're really just the two sides of it, the the lyrical side and the music side, but you both have something to say about the other person's side. And uh, uh dude, I love this show. I can, I'm so excited that I even got to be on it. Ah, uh, dude, that's you're the best, man. Yeah. Thanks. That, yeah, that, that, that thanks. means a lot, dude. Yeah, it, it's it's been it's really been just awesome uh, spending time with you, hanging out, man. And it is something when Brandon. I, brought it to me if anything at the end of the day what it's um provoked in me as a person you know of just having these conversations and 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 i'll just um say like this what i told brandon like a week or two ago is like you know what it there's there's something to be said about making time to speak with someone having that time allotted and sitting down and speaking with them nonetheless preparing to have that conversation because even when my closest friend even my wife and i I know conversations are going to be much different in passing than when I say, hey, Cameo, you know, let's sit down Thursday night at eight and let's have a discussion about this. There, you know, there's something very intimate about that. So if anything, this format of talking to your friends um, is, is, you know, uh, intimate and in exciting ways, you know, so, yeah. For sure. And Michael, I promise you this will be the last thing I say. You are the one person in my life that you treat songs like uh, wine, where you go like, oh, this song will pair really well with this drive to the mall. I never thought about music that way. Be be like, yeah. And then we wouldn't even go inside of the store until the song was over. And we're like, we got to get inside. And you'd be like, after after this bridge. And now it's so and that's you, dude. Like that, you wouldn't. Sometimes we'd be waiting in the car for you to come out of your house because you're like, yeah, I had to finish this Mars Volta album. Oh, that's like, awesome, dude. But but now I'm pairing your voice with car rides. I'm like, oh, dude, this songs we didn't write is gonna go really well with this drive to Delafield, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like yo, I'm driving to Madison. Michael off. Wrong combination. <laughs> So Thanks, I, I, do, I have to say, in closing, I have to say, uh, one, you're absolutely right, and I have I have tried to recognize it myself. I often, uh, like with my, uh, um, I guess the perfectionist side of me, I often realize too late into the thing that I'm trying to perfect. I realize too late that that's what I'm doing. I definitely realize I'm over explaining too late, even at my old age. Now I try to work <laughs> on it and there's just a point where it's part of me. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate what you say. And, uh, here's, uh, <laughs> here's an even nicer compliment wrapped up in a disc. Okay. Your genius is hard to contain. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> Thanks. But dude, That's what, what I, she said. What I love about what I love <laughs> about this is that uh, you did uh, an ad, and here, here's what I should say. I really should plug people listening to the Wolfpack podcast. Uh, they Thank they you. need to go and check it out because uh, your intros are awesome. I love your intros. I, I mean, I love the podcast, but your intros into your podcasts are very well done. And, um, you, you're, you have a brilliant mind, so it's fun. It's fun to listen to those and me knowing you very well. It's, it's just super fun to listen to them. And then when you break down 
you know, the songs that you wrote, you do little mini episodes and break those down. That's the inspiration for this, for this podcast. And, uh, wow. um, I want, I, I would like if, if people that listen, haven't, um, heard yours, they should go and, um, Dude, I, I, I've listened to every one of your song breakdown. breakdowns are great. But you have an ad. You put this ad out that said, uh, um, hey, man, I want you to go. I, you're telling everybody, encouraging everybody to go make their own podcast. But you say, dude, just keep them short because you're not that special. And <laughs> this is officially the longest one that we will have put out. And I love uh, that this is, we, we are going to never want to release a longer one than this so that Tyler <laughs> Wolf can own the longest one. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, man. But you, I, it's, I knew this would go long because yeah, I love talking to you guys. Yeah. No, I love it, man. I really appreciate your time, dude. Um, I really do. Let's, let's do this again soon. I want to do, uh, do a roadside song with you. I would love it, man. All right, dude. Hey, love you, Tyler. Uh, Love you too, guys. All right, I love you, brother. Take care.